Everybody back, episode two of the TFL Zoomcast. I'm Steve Govett, your host, and I got I got a like a, a lineup today that I'm super excited about. Episode two, Jamie Hanford coming in hot from Connecticut. Hanford, Andy show me your tattoo. <laughs> Jay <laughs> Jalbert, Andy Towers, uh, Jamie Hanford. It's a pleasure to have you guys on. Uh, these these are old old friends of mine. Um, I'm just I'm super excited for this conversation and and where it goes. Maybe I shouldn't be. Maybe I should be a little afraid. But uh, uh, I love these guys. Uh, I've been around them for a long, long time. And and pro lacrosse would not be what it is today without them. Certainly, uh, everybody knows what Andy Towers is doing with the PLL and the Chaos. Uh, pretty exciting there. Go Chouse. Um, excited for them. Jamie Hanford, Jay Jalbert, legends of the game. So uh, you know. TFL episode two. Let's get into it, fellas. How are you? Good. Thanks for having us, Steve. Yes. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man. When I when I first had this convert, you know, concept, uh, it started with a a fire at my. They were sitting around the fire in my place in San Diego with with Gary Gate, uh, Casey Powell, John Grant, and Patrick Merrill, and uh, we started talking. And I thought, man, what a great opportunity to just have good conversation, great stories from legends of the game. And so you guys certainly qualify, uh, but I want to talk a little bit about, you know, so let's start with with kind of current events right now. Andy Towers, who who created uh, the Rage Ball League uh, with his kid. I love the interviews with your son, especially when he loses. I think you take (laughs) it too easy on the brat, but, you know, ultimately – you know, I, you should beat him by a lot more, or at least you should. It's really good stuff. Why don't you talk about that for a bit? So, uh, listen, it, 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 it is an absolute war between him and I. Uh, there is no giving any points from my side at any time. The key for me, if I want to win the match, I got to beat him in the first two games because if it goes, in, it goes beyond two games, usually I lose. Yesterday's match was the best, most satisfying victory of Rage Ball that I've had at this point, simply because I was down. I won the first game. I lost the second game, and I was down 10-4, and he was getting sort of smug, visibly condescending to his dad. And I marched back eight straight points, broke his heart. And then the key to a, a genuine, authentic interview, Steve, is, is getting him while the, while, the, while the wound is fresh. And so as soon as I hit the point to win at 12-10, I, I did a loud cheer for myself. He let a, a, a loud epithet. I didn't even bust his balls on it because I realized that the rage was fresh. I ran right in and got the camera, sat him on, the, sat him on there, and you can hear during the interview that I was out of breath, which certainly is a reflection upon the decisions that I've made over the last 51 years. But it's a, uh, it's a back and forth contest. It's a two man league. And right now I got the hardware and it feels really good. <laughs> so who, in, who invented this game? Uh, well, it, it, essentially COVID-19 invented with help from my attention span deficiency in uh, James's 13 year old mind. And it started there's, with. There's yep. some controversy though with the, with the invention, right? Uh, no, I don't think so. I mean, I was just kind of messing around a little bit saying that I kind of invented it, but this is, I'm, I'm going to have to give uh, Andy all credit. I've been talking to him a lot about it and, and, and Andy's got a creative, weird, twisted mind, which 
somehow makes him a smart person and create creative person and comes up with these unique games in all different types. And, and this is just one that, that is kind of hitting the internet and it's actually genius during the COVID-19. So Jay, Jay, you're playing against your two-year-old, right? Cause you're having a better record than Andy against his son, right? Yeah, yeah. I uh, my two year old just demolishes me. My game is my game, my game, my game has gone downhill. Uh, I haven't played yet. I I'm dying to though. I'm I'm loving watching it. I got a bunch of other friends that play with their sons. So my oldest boy is uh he's five, and we can, we have a little pass here and there. But uh, and my daughter plays a little bit. But um, but yeah, it looks a lot of fun. Jamie, Jamie, can you actually throw and catch with that stick you used to play with, or? Um, won a lot of face-offs with the Jay. <laughs> actually, actually made it kind of easy. You didn't even have to bend over to pick up a ground ball; just went right into your stick. Right into my Jamie. Stick. How many goal? How many goals did you have in your career, Jamie? Do you know? I don't know. One hand, yep. you can count them on one hand. No, no, right? no, no. They're off. I think it's off two hands. Remember, I, I played for uh, I played for the New Jersey Storm that one oh, right year. you were yeah. on the power play he was, was running point on the power, the power play, play. actually had a hat trick one game <laughs> so i think i'm at like probably you were on the man up really new jersey storm 18 19 goals for my 13 year career but hat trick that wasn't really my that really wasn't my skill set steve i was the glue guy that is a, i agree with that hey jay jalbert who put who put the stick in your hand for the first time uh my brother yeah my brother uh i remember actually he was out there and he started when he was like in eighth grade i think late you know he started late back then uh he's about 10 years old older than me and then uh he had a stick he just gave it to me and an old stick and yeah that was it just started playing and fell in love with it how about you andy when 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 did that happen who who gave uh, it to you well you know what? It was it was my dad. He grew up in uh, Manhasset, Long Island, before we moved to New Canaan, Connecticut. And at you know, as long as I can remember, I think I think I started playing seventh and eighth grade or seven and eight year old baseball in town. And we always played baseball in the backyard. My dad always tried to get my brother and I to play lacrosse. At about nine years old, I think my baseball mitt broke, and I really wanted a new baseball mitt, but I didn't have access to $40 to get the Reggie Jackson side Wilson glove at the corner sports store, but lacrosse sticks were free. So uh, dad bought me a lacrosse stick and uh, my brother lacrosse stick and our baseball careers were over and, and so was my dad. So I want to ask Jamie the same question, but I'm also, I'm compelled to call him a number of nicknames because Hanford has a number of nicknames, man, cub, Booger, uh, I think there's probably a few other ones, but but at the end of the Army. day, P, PG show. Um, but Booger, when did you have a stick in your hand for the first time? Um, well, if you can believe it or not, obviously I, I grew up in a couple weeks ago. We didn't have youth lacrosse when I lived there. And then I moved to California in sixth grade, and obviously there was no lacrosse in California. Sorry about that. Um, in California. Um, so gotta go. I got to go. <laughs> I got to hop. I got to hop. I got to go. I got to hop. So, um, so I moved to California in sixth grade, and, and I didn't pick up a stick uh, until uh, eighth grade. Um, I went to this boarding school because uh, I wanted to play hockey back east. And so 
I picked up lacrosse in eighth grade at the school called Rectory. And um, that was the first time uh, I picked it up. And, and then, um, you know, I didn't really play my freshman year in high school because I had a really bad case of mono. And my sophomore year, my high school coach put a long pole in my hand. And, and that's how I kind of started off my lacrosse career, really. Cali BBQ is proud to be an official sponsor of your San Diego Seals. Buy our slow-smoked barbecue at any Seals home game or online anytime at www.calibbq.media. So moving on to, uh, you know, the, the really your indoor careers. <laughs> so the indoor career kind of starts uh, for you guys kind of consecutively. I, I think Jamie was pretty instrumental in getting the other two guys to play indoor. But tell me about your first time you walked onto a floor in indoor. What, what did you think? Like you guys are outdoor guys. You had illustrious careers in college. And then what happened? Well, I think Andy should take this one first. Cause I think Andy, you were probably, you, you probably were the first one to do the indoor before us, right? Did you do the Blazers? Yeah. Yeah, I, so. I, I played for the Blazers in uh, 94 was my first year. And so I, Andy, just I, to I, clarify, I, right. Just to clarify, Boston Blazers. Boston Blazers. Back in the day, for those kids that don't know today, I, uh, I, Boston I, I, was, was uh, one of the original teams in the MLIL. Exactly right. And uh, I came in, I got drafted by them, and I proved over the course of three games that clearly I was the biggest bust in draft history. It became clear to me after about six games that I couldn't score if I was the only one on the floor. The goalies were way too big. The goals were way too small. And I couldn't I, – I, I was not a good shooter. I could generate high-quality shots as an outdoor player because I could dodge well, but I wasn't a great shooter. And in, and in that game when I was playing, I didn't understand shooting with deception, so I wasn't able to move the goalies. I just kept hitting the goalie in the chest every single time, and it was immensely frustrating. I still remember when we played you guys up in the Boston Garden, and you were such a prick. It was unbelievable. And listen, and, and you guys, we were, all, we were all just like, covet that asshole. We all wanted to fight you the whole time. And I, and I remember one distinct play where Paul Gate had the ball, and he was on the back right side of it, or back right side of the net, and he came up and around, dodged his guy. And I slid across, across the cage, and I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to kill him. And I, and I oh, hit him. Got to go. I, I, <laughs> I hit Paul Gate as hard as I could hit him. And being the minotaur that he is, he, like, st stood straight up. It, it didn't do anything to him. Stood straight up and then stepped around me and stuffed it. And I was, I was running off the floor. I had the worst kink in my neck because I didn't know how to hit <laughs> And all I heard was the loudspeaker go, and Paul Gates scores his 10th goal of the game. And that's what I remember about my first year in the Boston Blazers. Everything was does Paul Gate Does Paul Gate get a bad rap? I asked this question in my first episode of, of Junior and, and Casey Powell. Does Paul Gate get a bad rap? I, Paul Gate, listen, you got Gary Gate, who's the best offensive player in the history of the sport. And then you got a, a, a drop-off of, like, just a little bit. And there's his brother as the next – best in the history of the sport and then there's a huge drop off after that in my opinion those two guys Paul Gate doesn't get enough credit for how I agree 
Yeah. It, 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 you know, in a lot of ways, Paul Gate was every bit as good, if not better, than his brother, but he just had a more of a power element to his game than that creative element. And so he might not have been quite as fun to watch, but he was every bit as much of a nightmare to play against, if not more. What do you mean by bad rap? Well, exactly what Andy's saying. I mean, yeah. Gary is touted. It's always the Gary Gate show. And then Paul Gate, it's, it's Gary and Paul. It's not the Gate brothers. And, uh, you know, look, I, I got the, the distinct pleasure to play with them at a lot of levels. And if it wasn't for Paul Gate, um, I, you know, I don't make the wings. He wanted a guy to set a pick for him. Um, I wasn't very good otherwise, other than trying to antagonize players like Andy Towers and drive them crazy. I did I didn't have a whole lot of skill. I'm kinda like Jamie Hanford, not a whole lot of skill, but I'm good looking. Easy, dude, easy. Why why don't you tell us your first experience playing for the wings? Because yeah, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good story. As I'm I the host of the show. I don't think I have to tell well, stories. I, I, I listen. I think it kind of goes. We're talking about all our first in the indoor, so I feel like we we go with the two older guys could tell their stories, and then Jay and I could kind of finish it off. But I think you've got a pretty good one to tell. Hanford, the story that Govett has to tell is the story that Trainer tells. Yeah, that, this is the one I'm talking about. So I'll make it quick, but, uh, you know, my very first game in the Philadelphia Spectrum, there's 16,000 people in the Spectrum ready to go. And I, I went out in intros and I ran really fast and I thought I would announce my presence with authority by jumping up on the uh, – on the glass and I ran really fast and outran the spotlight so I couldn't see. And when I jumped up on the glass, it was about a foot and a half earlier than I thought it was. So I hit it with my forehead, uh, <laughs> fell backwards, cut myself open for 10 stitches. And, and literally I roll over, I made a mean face, pulled my helmet over my head. And I, you know, Paul uh, Gate looks at me with blood streaming down my face from a cut that went from there to there. And Paul Gate looks at me and says, uh, uh, go clean yourself up. And that, that, was the, uh, that was the start to my national lacrosse league career with the Philadelphia Wings. That is so great. That is awesome. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> so, so I, use that, I tell that story of public speaking engagements all the time. God, it's so funny, man. So, so Steve, my, my first experience was that, you know, I was drafted um, out of Loyola to, to play for Philly as well. I, I think you were the GM that maybe drafted me. I, I'm not quite sure. But when I got there, you quickly um, had taken a, a new opportunity somewhere else with – was it Washington at the time or was it, was it Baltimore? Washington Power. Yeah, it was Washington Power. So – you know, obviously very fortunate to to get drafted by Philadelphia, which was a great franchise. And like you said, you know, 15,000, 16,000 fans every home game. And as an American that's never played box, you know, it takes a while to kind of figure out the game, you know. And so and going into Philly, there was a lot of, um, you know, the cool thing about Philly was it had a lot of local presence, right? So it had a good mixture of Canadians. It had a lot of local presence, that guy, guys that lived there that had been a little bit older, kind of on the tail end of their career, right? And so it was kind of hard 
to make that pioneers. Happen. We prefer to be called pioneers. Okay, pioneers. So pioneers. So it was kind of hard to crack that lineup when you've got like a busted up Chris Flynn that's like, you know, could barely run, but it's like, yeah, I'm good to play. And you know, you got Paul O'Grady, who's you know best friends with Rash and hanging out in the circle. And so it was tough to crack that lineup. So my first game that I played was actually in Baltimore, and I wasn't I wasn't supposed to play. I was a healthy scratch. And so I was in the stands, you know, kind of watching warm-ups, and I was about to order a beer, and Millsy comes up. It's like, Hanford, Flynn, he can't go. So I had to go down, get in the dressing room, and my first experience playing box was playing in Baltimore uh, against the Thunder, um, you know, not knowing I was even going to play. So, so it was kind of eye-opening, you know, not mentally preparing for my first game and, and just uh, in, in, in the realm it happened. Give us right, some, I'll give you, some I'll context give you my first experience. What, 2000? What's that? 2000? Fans? No, no. <laughs> yeah. Less. No, the year 2000. Uh, it was not, it was, uh, yeah, 1990. The year 2000. How high can you count? You can count to 2000. Andy, we know we're better with shapes than colors, right? That's right, but we're fun at parties. <laughs> So, so I got drafted by the, the, um, the wings and Hanford was on the team at the time. So he's, uh, you did, Gov, did you draft me or did Raj draft? I me? did. And then you left. I right? Where did you go? Power? Drafted you. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was there for a year and then went to the Washington power, which became the Colorado mammoth. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. So I remember I get my lacrosse equipment. I get like all my outdoor stuff. I'm going to the first practice. I get on like the train. I go into Penn Station. I'm like going through the, the, the train station, Penn Station with my stuff. I get on the path. I go meet Hanford. He's working at, where are you working at? Somewhere in Jersey City. Oh, yeah. He has his car. We get in his car. We start driving down to Philly for practice. And I knew, I mean, I knew Jamie, but like this was our regular Wednesday night thing we did all the time. This was the first one. And he's like, What's up, dude? How you doing? He's like, we stop at all these like, gas stations on the way down. All right, this is where we pick up our dip and Doritos. We're <laughs> <laughs> flying down there. We blasting music the whole way down. Right. Jersey, Jersey Turnpike. Like Sands, the song Sandstorm. Remember that one? That was on repeat. We played like six times in a row. I'm like, want to change it up, dude? He's like, he's like, this is what we do. All right. So, <laughs> so we get there. I remember I'm like, I, you know, I didn't have any of this stuff too. He's like, I got rivers for you. I got shoulders for you. I got, you know, you got all the equipment. But I had a similar uh, experience as, as Towers on the floor. I remember just running around, getting by people just fine, and then getting to the goalie and be like, all right, what do I do here? Fake, go, goalie doesn't move. Fake again, goalie doesn't move. Chest shot. Uh, I, I mean, I think I had one goal my first year of playing. Yeah, right. was, I, felt like, was... I felt like Ron Jeremy. Jay, funny you bring that up because I remember, I remember vividly, you know, in 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 practice or tryouts, we we'd get in a horseshoe and we'd shoot on fucking Dallas, and you would absolutely fucking take your fucking crank shot like you're in field, and you'd be high, and he would fucking lose his marbles. Yep, you get so What the fuck are you doing? I'm like, what the fuck are you doing down there? None, none of them went in. 
Hey, there goes my PG rating on the show. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, we made it 13 minutes, Covet. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Remember, so, so tell me, Andy Towers, give me your best impression of, of Tony Resch as your coach. Uh, Towers, uh, we're going to let you know via email if you're in the lineup. <laughs> Andy, hold on, Andy, Andy, tell the story, dude. Tell the story. All right, so tell this- the- so here, so I played, I, I was as, as discussed, I was literally the worst indoor player in the history of the league. Oh, oh I dragged him out. I dragged him out and made him play in Philly. So I, I did, I did a year in the, I did a year for the Blazers and then I moved to New York and I did a year for the Saints. And then. How many uh, years off did you take? A bunch, right? Well, then I did it. Then I went back and I did another year for the Blazers and then I went off for five years. <laughs> and then I dragged you out. And then Hanford. Hanford drags me back out in the year 2000 and I'm living in New York city and I'm, and I'm, it might've even been like 98 cause Jalbert was not on the team yet. If you came in. So, in so yeah. So it was, it I was my was second year. I think it was, it was 98. my second year. Yeah. Yeah. It's just before Jay got drafted. Cause I remember I missed Jay, which sucks. Otherwise I still would have wanted to play. Well, you uh, got traded, so you wouldn't have been there. So that's very true. Cause I was, <laughs> you know, I was way down. anyway, so what happens Govett is, and you were you were the GM, I think, of it at the time. Not right? in '98. I was the, I was still playing. No, '99. Oh. So no. Oh, okay, later. Yeah, right. yes, I was. Oh, okay. So anyway, so what happens is Hanford gets me to play, and I and I and I make the team, but I'm literally like the last guy on the roster, and I'm and I'm horrible. I'm still horrible. And so we go through, and we're not having a very good season, and it's the it's the ninth game of the year. And finally, finally, I'm in the lineup. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in the lineup. I can't believe it. And so everybody's congratulating me, and it's making me feel like the biggest fucking loser because I hadn't been in the lineup for eight weeks. And people are like, great job, you're in the lineup. And it's like we're three and five, and it's just – it's horrible. But whatever. I'm thinking, all right, it's going to be fun. So I get in the car with Raj in Hanford, and – They pick us up. They pick us up in in the city, and we're driving to Albany. And they're like, "All right, there's a huge snowstorm coming in." And I'm like, "All right, whatever." You know, we think it's going to be overblown, and we're going to play. And so we're getting up to Albany, and as we're getting closer to closer to Albany, the snowstorm starts to intensify. And sure enough, we get up there, and they cancel the game. Like we, we, and I'm like, "Oh shit!" So. The game gets canceled, and I'm thinking, all right, no big deal. We play in Philly next week. I'm going to be in the lineup. Nothing's changed. We haven't had a practice. I haven't hit the goalie in the fucking chest since last practice. I'm obviously back in the lineup, right? Well, what I didn't realize is that the next week in Philly, it was Jamaican Me Crazy Night, which was their, you know, their marketing ploy. And the guy that was out of the lineup for me to be in the lineup in Albany was Tommy Ryan. And Tommy Ryan had dreadlocks and I was a balding 34 year old. So I was out of the lineup for no reason other than the fact that you did not have have dreadlocks. So I was out and and and, and I never even got to play a game. And in the end, me and Gaywa got traded for Chris Pinos to the New York Saints for the last game. And there's my career. That was my last game dressing for the New York Saints that were like 1-10 after getting traded for half a guy. But well, you did get in a yeah, fight t- back then. Uh, didn't you, like, 
Yeah, uh, dude, did you ragdoll some guy? I remember I hearing though, like Towers' last fight. game, he ragdolled some dude. I got in a fight with Dance, and so I knew I was going to be in the lineup, and it was in uh, the Nassau Coliseum, and it was there was like four hundred people in the stands, and I get in a fight with Dance in the corner, and I like punched him like seven times in the face. Isn't he five three? And I and I looked, yeah, he was tiny, and I know yeah. he, he was perfect. <laughs> And I had him, and I'm like, I'm going to kill this guy. I'm way bigger than him, but he's got no teeth. And I get him in the corner, and I'm beating him, I'm, I'm, I'm hitting him in the face. And, and right when it's over, I look up, and I see, like, my five friends laughing, drinking beers up in the stands. And then beyond them was this little kid crying, and I realized that was the end of my career. Never played again. <laughs> <laughs> ended is, ended. Just Jay, like, Jay when, was, when was your first fight? Jay, uh, was when was your first game. fight in the National Cross League? Yeah, it was the first game. I think uh, someone just posted it up on uh, – it was up on Twitter. I saw it. So, uh, it was me still it – it was a bench-clearing brawl. It was like me, Brawling Stilly, up. Hanford. I just remember, like, grabbing some guy, trying to get him off Stilly. And then I got – my helmet was off, and I was holding another guy. I got punched from the side. I, <laughs> I remember at post-game, I had like, a, like a, just a shiner – First game. It wasn't even like a real fight, too. I kind of squared up with somebody, I think, after, after like, the melee happened. But I, I think yours was more of a fight in that melee that was happening anyways. Every, me and Stilly were on the ground, kind of. Yeah. Around, which we like to do. The, Who knows uh, what you were doing? Yeah. <laughs> you just weren't Amber ready was to, to pull the guy's pants down. <laughs> we, weren't, we weren't ready to fight in that league. Like, like you guys, Govett, who played box across, understood – the chippiness was part of the culture of the sport and how the fighting was sort of integrated into it. Like, I, I, I didn't even realize that there was that, that was part of it. Like, there's no fights in outdoor lacrosse. Yeah, yeah. And, and Casey, time you figure it out, you've taken three shots to the, to the face. Casey Powell told a great story yesterday on episode one about he gets in a fight with some dude on Buffalo and he was so worried about the guy chasing him down into the locker room that he showered with his stick in his hand because <laughs> he was afraid the guy was going to jump him in the shower. <laughs> hey, we don't hold grudges. Canadians don't hold grudges. We just move so on. Uh, my, one of my first games, it was, it was uh, I can't, I think we were playing at Buffalo. It was like one of the first away games. It was right after that game. And everyone in the, I remember everyone on the bus going to the game, getting picked up the airport's like, all right, y'all there. There's this guy, his name is Ogilvy. Ogilvy, what is it? What was it? Andy Ogilvy. Andy Ogilvy, yeah, he was a legend. You're like, don't fuck with all this guy, all right? He's an asparagus farmer in the summer. <laughs> he will totally kick your ass. So just don't mess with him. I'm like, okay, okay, I got it. I'm like, and of course at the time, I'm like, whatever, this guy can't be that tough. Right. But I mean, I, I, I think opening face-off, or at some point I was next to him on the face-off. I looked down and <laughs> see this guy's like, veins popping out of his neck forearms like enormous i was like i would i would run from this guy <laughs> oh god that that's i remember fighting doddridge the doddridge was such a prick oh my god and, and like and the doddridge would irritate the shit out of you until you snapped and then when you when you snapped he you know he wouldn't fight you and you were like what a fucking asshole yeah and then like in the bar there was nobody nicer than neil doddridge and you couldn't even believe it was the same guy you know, I, I just don't understand how you guys could turn it on and off like that, Gubbett. Yeah, well, there's a switch. 
A quick break. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped.com. Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene. If you've been listening to our channel for a while, you know that we are big fans of Manscaped and their Perfect Package Essentials Kit which is the world's finest all-in-one manscaping kit that makes manscaping safe and easy. And just when you think they've got it all figured out, they take it to the next level. I'm excited to be one of the first to confirm that after 18-plus months of research and development, the new Lawnmower 3.0 Waterproof Body Trimmer has just been released and comes with a ton of new upgrades. Get 20% off plus free shipping from your Perfect Package 3.0 purchase when you use promo code SEALS20 at manscaped.com. That's code SEALS20 for 20% off at manscaped.com. Now, back to the pod. Um, I want to I flip the switch right now a little bit to the 2006 Mammoth. And, and uh, Andy, you can feel free to, to throw darts at these guys. But, Great. Uh, uh, but I, I want you guys to talk a little bit about that team in, uh, in 2006 in Colorado. Um, I'll start it off. So, Steve, just real quick, was was that the first year that you, you uh, picked up Patty Coyle? Did you pick up Patty Coyle the year before? Patty Coyle played in 2005, and then we picked up uh, Stroop and Gill, uh, I think, in 06. Well, no, wasn't Stroop and, Stroop and Gill were there before Patty. Patty was the last one to come, I think. Yeah, maybe. I don't remember. It, but I remember was, uh, vividly, like, you know, Patty was, like, unsure of going. And, he, you know, there was kind of bad blood. He didn't really like being Jay, you know. And so we, we had this conversation. He's like, yeah, we want to just make sure that, like, those guys are kind of cool. Like, I'd be happy to go there. But, like, there was kind of, you know, more so, I would say, with Jay because of the way he played, where he wasn't the most loved by Canadians. Is that fair to say? Fair. <laughs> That's just I remember when Patty was on the bus first. I like walk up and I'm like, "What's up, dude?" (laughs) 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 We didn't like like it took us like fucking four games to fall in love with each other. No, no, it was like instantaneous. Within like yeah, within like ten minutes, he's like, "I was like, ah, he's not so bad." He's like, "Yeah, you're not so bad." Right? I mean, I think we were like hugging. We sat next to each other. I think the first time I fell in love with Patty was walking by his hotel room and seeing this older guy like just zeroed in on cartoons on the tv (laughs) big spongebob guy big spongebob guy like patty i'm like we're going out he's like yeah i'm all good i'm gonna watch spongebob i'm like all right dude all good man maybe i'll catch you at late night and and he'd still be fucking watching spongebob like i I went to the zoo with him his girlfriend and his kids one time like we were on a way or some home game or away game he's like want to go to the zoo i'm like yeah let's do it No, but Steve, Stevie, back to, back to your question about the about the 06 season, and and we had gone, you know, through a couple different coaching changes over the past couple of years, and, and and Gary had just retired, and and kind of was at the helm, and uh, who was it? Gary, George, who else? Uh, uh, DP. Dan Pratt, Russ Hurd. Yep, and so um, Russ Hurd. That's right. So it it was great. We it was kind of a, it wasn't your our typical season like we've had since the inception when Colorado got there we were kind of struggling a little bit in the beginning of the season right and so and I, I don't remember clearly the whole season but I remember the the boiling point was our home and home versus Calgary and and um you know it was kind of a make or break we had a Friday night I think game in Colorado 18,000 fans 
I believe Tree scored that game winner, right? It was, it was it like an 18-17 game or something like that? And I remember you, like, everyone's pumped up. You come in the locker room, like, all right, we got, we're playing the next night. You're like, don't pack your sticks. Don't pack your helmets. Don't check it. Like, we don't know. And, of course, <laughs> fucking Jalbert <laughs> checked his gear. Yeah, and, and listen, I – I was, I was like, that, that's the worst idea ever. Yeah. <laughs> Jay's like, Jay's like, Jay's like what, Govett, what does Govett know? What is he talking about? And sure enough, the weapon lost his equipment, and, and we were playing that next night. So well, it, my mindset was, <laughs> what's, the worst, what's the worst that could happen? I don't have my equipment. They have extra ones, which well, I was right. I was used to someone else's equipment. Jay I mean, didn't care. Jay, Jay's one of those guys that just like, He'd lose his helmet. He like, I mean, traveling with this guy for for however many years we did it. Like, he would leave his laptop in the in the terminal of the airport and get on the plane, and then the plane would be about to take off. He'd be like, "Fuck, Hanford, I left my laptop and phone charging in Lavordia." <laughs> and I'm like, "Dude, it's true. Nothing's <laughs> changed, sadly. It is true." Uh, hey, so, let me um, let me switch so, gears real quick. Let me switch gears real quick and, and talk a little bit about, you know, name two guys you wouldn't want to sit next to in an NLL locker room or any locker room for that matter in any form of lacrosse. Andy, um, kind of rejoin the conversation because I know you never won in the NLL, so we can't talk about the 06 championship <laughs> with you. So, All right. Uh, so what's the question? <laughs> Who – who would you not want to sit next to in, in, in any locker room in lacrosse? Hanford absolutely is number one. You know, yeah, I, don't, I, I don't want, you know, 248 pounds of hairy nude man wanting to hug it out and get into my area. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's number one far and away. Number two, um, who I wouldn't want to sit next to. <laughs> uh, wow, that's, that's uh, maybe Steve Gilhooly because his arm pads smelled like the inside of a, of a, of a, like a surgical store dumpster. I mean, it was the worst smelling equipment I've ever, I've ever been around. Those would be two, my two picks. But Jay, how, about, how about you, Jay? Yeah, I mean, I, I was next to Hanford every year I played, so I can <laughs> firsthand experience. <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be new. So, so clearly, so clearly, new, so new clearly, he liked to sit next to me. I was I was wedged right in between Simsy and Jalbert, two of the hottest NLL players <laughs> in their prime, and sure, so course, I strategically <laughs> placed them right there, just because I knew what I was getting into. I had a front row seat at two of the best asses in the league. Jay, yeah. hopefully you were able to keep the blade off of Simsy's wrist. <laughs> <laughs> so Hanford, hey, let's let's do this the entire time and and, and uh, Nash and I would call him LA for long ass because his, <laughs> we said his, his ass crack started up by his neck and went all the way down. <laughs> Don't make me bring up stories, Jalbert. Don't make me do it. So I want to transition real quick and talk about some guys. I'm going to bring up their names. I want you guys to give me a pretty 
quick two-word reaction to these names, and we'll just run through top to bottom. Uh, Josh Sims. Magua. That was his nickname. He's like the guy from uh, uh, Last of the Mohicans. I'm going to go with complete weirdo. <laughs> I'm going to go with thoroughbred. Thoroughbred. Dallas Elliott. Right there. Dallas Elliott. God of goaltending. The God of goaltending, Dallas Elliott. Pharmacy. That's his handle. In, impenetrable. I don't think I ever scored on him, ever. I'm going to say yeah, but You didn't score on anybody, so I that's know, not. I know, but I was counting on that kind of second-level follow-up, Steve. Makeup, Dallas Elliott. I would say pharmacy. He he was he was one of the most unique players, teammates that I've ever been around. Unbelievable guy. At the same time, complete weirdo. um, In terms of his focus and commitment to being the best goalie out there and, and also just a unique individual. I love him. If, if everybody is a weirdo, when you, when you say everybody's a weirdo, doesn't that potentially draw into question the guy that's saying the other people are weirdos? Well, that, that, that there are only two people you asked me about Sims and Dallas. And so if, I mean, come on, let's be honest. They're, they're both a little bit. Okay. Crazy. Okay. Next guy, Steve Kisslinger. Ah, yes. Lunatic. He's an amazing defenseman. I had one amazing experience with him in, uh, in Vail one year. He, he, uh, he did something to Steve Batista's helmet. I can't remember what it was. Oh, uh, I know what it was. <laughs> but but he's a, he, was a, he was amazing. He was an amazing player, that's for sure. He's scary. Un- unbelievable, man. I mean, he, he, he was unlike – is unlike anybody. I mean, when, when he was on the top of his game – nobody played like him you know uh and then when he was off the field and on top of his game i mean he might have <laughs> I, I mean I, I i could really get with the dark one here do you remember when we played for auction works yeah. Tim- oh, oh yeah I, I can't even tell a story it's too out of line it's gonna it's gonna no it's you gonna, can't tell that story i can't tell that story but so uh, yes every bit is every bit is strong and emotion evoking off the field as he was good and emotion-evoking on the field. Yeah, and, and uh, one of the most talented defensemen that I've ever seen play. And it doesn't get enough credit um, that he deserves um, just maybe because of his off-field antics. But he was one of the best players I ever watched play. And I've got, I've got an unbelievable story. And this is – I could tell this story. We're up in Placid, and – and, Steve, and this is like, you know, we're older. It's like five, six years ago. And, and, Steve, and Steve Kiss takes a shot to the jugular from Chris Fiore. It hits him in the side of the face and busts his jaw. And it starts swinging open. He rips his helmet off. He's on the sidelines. My, my little kid's on the sidelines. And his teeth just started falling out of his fucking face and it was the grossest thing i've ever seen (laughs) and and we're like placid right so it's like you know he had to like go to uh burlington vermont and literally he gets back that night he's in the bar the next morning (laughs) 
The next fucking morning, he's taping his ankles, and he's going out to play. That's about it. That just kind of sums up how tough he was and how nasty of a player and how great he was. No doubt. All right, next guy. That's all I got for Kiss. Well, my next guy, Mark Steenhouse. I'll let Jay start with that one. I, you know, I don't, I didn't really get to know him at all off the field. So no comment. He was a great player, man. He was all over the field. He was always in your kitchen, could score, got ground balls. Yeah. Yeah. He was, I, he, I, was I, he was, he was an agitator too, man. He was always in the mix. Yeah. He just started. He just, he was kind of, he was kind of a rookie, kind of a younger guy as, as we were getting on the tail end, but it's exactly right. I mean, he was, he was a very, very good lacrosse player. I don't know him at all outside of lacrosse. Me neither. Jay, didn't he butt in, butt in you right in the face? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I forgot about that. That was him. Yeah. And that, right. uh, 2006 championship game. He literally in the eye hole. Yeah. He went, he put his hand up like this to my, to my cage and went. Psh! Jammed his butt in right into my right into my <laughs> eye, right above my eye. Was that when we were up like nine one? It was. We were up by a lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the best part. I probably deserved it. I definitely deserved it. Rather. The best part of the story was that you were mic'd up, and he did it, and all you did was ow. <laughs> I go ow. He just hit me with his butt in. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. Okay, uh, next guy, and I want to talk. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, uh, you know, the, the 2004 All-Star game, uh, Jay. But, but before we get to that, let's talk uh, Jimmy Rogers. My neighbor. He's right, he's right, out, the, right out the door over there. Uh, he's the man. <laughs> You're trying to get him on the show. He's, he's a legend. You got you to get him, him on the show. He would, were you trying to get him on with us? No. You guys are enough to handle. <laughs> he's like, if, if Las Vegas was a person – it would be Jimmy Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> that is he was Julie McCoy, the cruise director. He he was always like the you know the yeah. social director for everything. He's like he was a great, great GM football. too. Yeah, was he the well, GM of the Wings for a little while? After me, but you know I got him all the players. He just oh, took everybody out that. for drinks. That stings. That, we won that, that, that year. That stings Govan a little bit because when we won it in 01, he was like, I, got I brought all, the all those players there and Jimmy wins the championship. I got all the players and Jimmy bought all the drinks and <laughs> you guys a sore, It's a sore spot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Steve-O. Uh, all right, changing topics. Jimmy's Let's post, talk about – Roger's post game was part of the reason I kept playing. It was, you know, best post game he, organized, ever. I mean, he organized very well. No question. Uh, so, so Brian Langtree. Wow, man, he's probably he's one I wouldn't want sitting sitting next to me. He was like three down from me, always, always going nuts before games. Uh, he's a man, though. He's yeah. a great teammate, wild man. Very normal. He's a very normal guy. Um, <laughs> weirdo. <laughs> no, definitely not weird. But let me tell you something, man. The competitive edge that that guy brought every single time he strapped his helmet on was unbelievable and, and unbelievable to watch I mean he was so talented for not being a growing up playing a box player and he just elevated his game um made his teammates better did some crazy stuff in terms of skill set on the field and you know 
a lot of games you turn around and he'd have five or six goals and just being in his eyes popping out of his head like he wanted more. <laughs> Andy exactly. Towers, tell me tell me about Brian Langtree from your perspective because I don't know how much interaction you had with him in your own locker room, but I'm sure you played against him. You know, I, I played with Tree in the, on the Bridgeport Garbage. And uh, so I did it for one year. And, you know, he, he was, he was a, aside from being an unbelievable player, I think if they, if they write Brian Langtree, the movie, I'm putting in an early bid that Jared Leto plays Brian Langtree. <laughs> because I think that they would be able to see eye to eye on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, honestly, I, I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Tree. I didn't get to know him as well as I only played with him for one year. Uh, but what a player, what a shooter. You know, what a passer and, and, and all of those things, uh, I think, all take second fiddle to his competitive spirit. I mean, what a, what, a, what a warrior that kid is. Another quick break. Coronado Brewing Company is proud to be the official craft beer partner of the Seals. Enjoy fan favorite Orange Avenue Wit and their new Salty Crew Blonde Ale all season long and visit coronadobrewing.com to find their award-winning beers near you. Stay coastal. Cheers. Okay, keeping in theme with the movies, Jay, who plays Andy Towers and Jamie Hanford in a buddy movie? In a buddy movie. Wow. Yeah. Um, ah, man, maybe John C. Riley for Cub? It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, always taking care of me, man. Maybe Vince Vaughn for, for Towers? Wow. I'll take that. I'll take Strong. that. That's a favorite right there, Jay. Thank no you. way. Andy, 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 Andy would be the Rock. Andy would be the Rock. Jay is definitely going to be Brad Pitt. <laughs> Hanford, it might be Dom DeLuise. <laughs> uh, Bill Berge. Right, Bill that's Berge. He's yeah. done. He's done. Oh, wow. <laughs> I'm up next. I'm up. Cutting me short, dude. You can't name five different actors for me. Well, listen. Wait, Hanford. I think you the host, Danny DeVito. By the way, Hanford and I are just wearing these glasses so we look smart. They actually don't do anything. So I'm up next. So Andy's the Rock. He didn't ask you the question. He asked me the question. I was next. You're the Rock. And Jay's Tom Cruise. Oh, come on. Jesus. Hey, you're doing oh, pretty well, man. Jay. Free Tom Cruise is fucking hot. <laughs> okay, so now you get to pick the nemesis. Who is your – who – what what character is your nemesis in this movie? Jesus. Anybody in lacrosse. Just name somebody in lacrosse that's the nemesis in your movie. Clearly, you guys didn't read down the question sheet as you went through this process. Wait, is, this, is this nemesis in like in lacrosse, the guy who got you a lot? The guy yeah, who no, the guy, guy. Anybody, you pick a guy in lacrosse that's going to be your nemesis in your movie. If you're Brad Pitt. Who's the Bro- nemesis? Brody Merrill, probably. Brody Merrill. Oh, well, yeah. He always, I, 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 there wasn't a guy I, I, I didn't think I could get a ground ball off of, but he was always the one that I. I I was like, how the hell did he get that? You know, I was like, I, I always felt like I get every ground ball, but he was, he would beat me too. Like a lot of them. I'm like, what the? Pat McCabe. Just yeah. Jamie. Hard, hard to beat in anything. Uh, I would, I would say there's, there's a couple guys, you know, defending, you know, you know, obviously early on in my career, defending guys like Gary, 
thankfully he was on my team and ended up coaching guys like Colin Doyle defending, you know, super, super skilled, big athletic guys in the league uh, that always questioned, you know, what were they going to do on you? How are you going to angle them? How are you going to, you know, D them up because they were so big and so strong and skill set. I thought for sure you were going to say Jeff Snyder. Why would that? I beat him on every face off. (laughs) (laughs) I'll have to get him as a guest. Well, you can't. Andy, Andy, Andy taught him everything he knew and I beat him every game. Oh, Andy, (laughs) who's your nemesis in your movie? He just said, he just did that. Oh, sorry. I, I, I got a lag going on here. I've been hitting the head a lot. Hey, let's talk about the 2004 All-Star game. Jay, from your perspective, tell this story. And then, you know, Hanford, who was, I think was in the All-Star game. I'm not sure how we got him there, but he, he was in it. Um, tell me I'm still about the to face off Scott Steve, and you remember why I was in that game, buddy? I, uh... What 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 do I remember? I remember I remember I guess I guess I didn't get the memo. This is what I remember: not getting the memo that that people didn't really play hard play the game. It was like a it was like a joke game. I, I don't I, I mean from what I remember, when you step on the floor, you play you play the sport, you do whatever. And for the record, that hit on him. Who was it on Clark? Yeah, Glenn Clark. Glenn Clark. I, he was like he was like falling backwards, and I was going, and I basically just like kind of put my head down to like push him. He like grabbed me and pulled me back. It wasn't you went like, for a ground ball, dude, and you ended up laying him out. And yeah. Every Canadian was like, "Oh my god, he's hitting someone in the All Star game." Yeah. I'm like, guys, pipe it down. He's just going hard through a ground ball. That's the black. Wolf, that's the Black Wolves coach. That yeah, yes, yes, yes. I gotta ask. Him he about went him. ass over tea kettle. And the rest of the game, everybody was going after Jalbert in an all-star game. The entire other team's bench was ready to fight Jalbert in an all-star game. It was awesome. It was one of the single greatest moments in lacrosse for me was Jay Jalbert hitting Glenn Clark in the 2004 all-star game. It it could not have been It was like in the first 30 seconds of the game. It was early on. It was a ton of fun. The game, it sucks. Well, it's I, you know, I, I want to be just serious for half a second, but uh, if there's a, a 30 for 30 in lacrosse, and Jay, you're a filmmaker, so, uh, you know, you can probably be very uh, objective here, but if there's a 30 for 30 in lacrosse that needs to be told, the story that needs to be told uh, about any portion of lacrosse, whether it's pro lacrosse, college lacrosse, or whatever, what story is it? I think it's the story of Man Cup. And it's uh, how he was created in a laboratory. He was crossed between a human being and an actual bear cub. And then out of the wilderness of Alaska came man cub. And he, he ended up in Darien, Connecticut, learned how to play lacrosse. And, you know, he made it to the NLL. It's a, it's a human interest story. It's got great highlights. Uh, <laughs> it can, it can, they can put it out on Animal Channel instead of ESPN. <laughs> Purpose. It's got a sports angle, an animal wilderness angle. Uh, it's a lot of flavor in that story, huh, Jay? I, 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 would, I tend to agree with you. I think that would be a great selling piece. Come on, tell me a 30 for 30 story that you want to see, Andy. Uh, I would like to see a 30 for 30 serious coverage of the battle of the face-off guys during 
from the middle of, of the 80s through the rule change when they cleaned it up, which I think was about 2015, something like that, when they finally, you know, changed the rules and they made it fair. You know, they put the ball, they got the stick set and they put the ball down last and really cleaned up the position. I, I would love to see a 30 for 30 on the evolution of everything from when it started, from when Greg Matthews was going against Brad Cotts in 83, 84, 85, all the way through uh, until that last period. It would be great to have them do a piece on that and talk about the guys that were on top during those years and just the amount of cheating that went on. And even though, you know, cheating is the term that was thrown around, it was it was really reflective of the wild, wild west because it wasn't officiated properly. And I think that the only guys that really would have been able to officiate that aspect of the game responsibly were guys that had actually done that. I, I think that so, was really interesting 30 for 30. So just hearing you talk about it, I, I, I feel it's so compelling that uh, – it would move me to get the face-offs taken out of the game because that was painful to listen to. But, Jamie, what about you? Oh, two face-off <laughs> guys on the call. So, uh, I think it's Jamie, what do, you, what do you want to talk about? Another face-off, 30 would, for 30? I would think – no, I, I, think, I think it's two 30 by 30. I, I think, like, epic battles of, like, you know, of, like, you know, Petro versus Gate, you know, and just you have those epic battles of, like, from, like, back when the first game started and just kind of how it like, you know, leading up to like the preparation, you know, what they thought, how they prepared for that battle. And, and there was a, there's a ton of them out there. I'm just naming one as in Gary and Petro, you know, I'm sure there's some face-off battles between some guys. I'm sure there's some other attack D battles that are out there, but like, you know, I think that would be a, a unique story. And I also think, um, you know, a great 30 for 30 would be like, kind of in our 06 season of like our run of what we did and and, and to get that out there uh because you know unfortunately there's a lot of people that don't know that in the indoor game in, in america and so they don't you know when and when you're done playing it's like you almost don't even know there's a league which is sad because i spent so much time in it but but i'm just removed from it and it's not out there as much you know what i mean so i think so a third for 30 for something like that would be awesome. I mean, I know when Jay, when we were, Jay, I think you did it in 06 or maybe you did it the year before, but when you, when you did that footage of, of Colorado, like, yeah, I thought that was awesome. Like to get a piece out there for, for the public to see that was unique and really cool. What would it you were in it in a robe? Yeah. <laughs> it was because you started in it. Is that why you, you were in it, it in a robe? That's why you liked it. <laughs> I, I, I am about myself a lot. So yep. Yep. Because I started in a robe on, on my rooftop in New York city. <laughs> I was like, Jamie, we're going to do this interview. What do you, where do you want to do it? He goes, well, I want to do it in a robe, and I want to do it on my roof. <laughs> that's the starting point. I want to do it in a robe. Yeah. Oh, that's rich. Freaking uh, robe. Fellas, uh, it's been, man, a great hour, and, and I, I can't thank you enough for uh, participating in episode two. I think we could probably go for another hour. Um, I love, I love connecting and I love spending time with you guys. You are certainly legends of the game 
Uh, and and I hope uh, I hope a lot of our our contemporaries, the pioneers of lacrosse, uh, will watch this because I think the stories are great, and it's gonna it's gonna bring more stories. And and again, uh, crafting the narrative for you know indoor lacrosse and outdoor lacrosse and pro lacrosse for the future starts with guys like you and heart and soul glue guys, as Jamie Hanford says. And uh, so I'm wildly appreciative of, of getting any amount of time that I get to spend with you guys. And, and uh, it's always been a pleasure. Um, and I love you guys. It's been, it's been fun. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the TFL Zoomcast uh, episode two as we come to a close, getting ready for the next ones. Uh, you guys are clearly teaching me how to get better at this craft. So thanks. Thanks real for quick, that. Steve, real quick. I, I, I'd be remiss in not saying Towers was my hero growing up. He was the one guy I looked up to the whole time. Cam I went to a bunch of camps with him there. You're the man, when it, when it He was my camp at Brown, at uh, my counselor at Brown Lacrosse Camp. And when it comes to like legends, you're talking about legends. I just remember thinking like, in my head all the time, that guy's a legend, man. You are the mad job, man. Well, he's certainly doing amazing things in the PLL. <laughs> and it's fun to watch. You, you are a content king, Andy. Uh, uh, you're continuing, you know, love watching you coach. And, and I'm a big chaos fan because of it. Uh, I might be switching over to the water dogs only because you left uh, Brody Merrill unprotected, but uh, you know, kill it's, me. Uh, well, I've got a, I, I've got a I, I poster in my room. My wife loves it. <laughs> uh, fellas. Thank you so much. I appreciate thank having you me on and, and uh, love, love to having you. Thank you so much. We'll, we'll do, we'll do it again. Yeah, I take care, guys. See you, Webb. See you. See you guys. See you, boys. See you.